It is Locked on Jazz for the 4th of May. The Utah Jazz season interview series continues, trying to discover what happened, why short of expectations. And today we look at leadership and camaraderie. A Daedalus conversation that generally makes me uncomfortable. We'll talk about it coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks very much for tuning in and making Locked On Jazz our your first listen Every day, we are free and available on all platforms. Let me remind you the goal of the week. We are trying to look back at the season and figure out what went wrong, I guess, is the way to say it, or just why the team fell short of expectations and where that they, the front office coaching staff and players want to be. And I remind you that when I started the week, my thought was that rather than being able to pinpoint a single item, which is what we all want to do, the chances are we're not going to be able to do that. The chances are we're going to find multitude of things and each is going to be 13 to 18 to whatever percent. So each day we're kind of presenting a new concept. And the idea is, is this part of the equation is really the way to look at this and see. Uh, today I've gone live again. I have not. I did not go live earlier this week. I appreciate the live group. I do think the chat seems to be better if I'm not live and it all comes out at once and everyone joins in and can build off other things. Um, so I'm going to keep an eye on that. Um, but I think I'm going to move away from going live first thing um, each day um, for you. And then during the season, we'll go live with postcast and things. We'll see. Uh, but just a thought, if you have a user experience, for those of you who watch on YouTube, uh, based on whether we're live or not, please let me know uh, what you're feeling on it is. All right. Um, so today I want to look at leadership and camaraderie. And this one's hard because it's completely dataless. There's almost no way to like prove it to be true. It's a lot of like eye testy, esoteric kind of stuff. And I don't, I don't always buy it. Like I generally think, you know, if you win a lot, then everyone gets along. And if you start to not win, then everyone doesn't. And then they say it's a leadership issue. And I never know which order these things happen. But if you look at the history of the Jazz, there are some interesting things here that make you kind of wonder whether there was a leadership and camaraderie issue. And you could kind of see it on the court, frankly. It wasn't the most joyful group that we've ever seen. You know, the data points are that if they led by 10 in the second half of games, they were 43 and 13. And... They won, so they won 77% of those games. And they, uh, the league average was about 90. Okay, that's, that's a big deal. Now, on the other end, we shoot the most threes of any team in the league, which would be, mean, I think, by definition, we have the highest variance of any team in the league. So that might be a little overblown. In the fourth quarters, we were 43 and six when we led by 10. We won 88%. And the league average was 94. 
So again, we weren't, and we should be better than league average because we, you, you know, you'd believe we're better than league average. But again, you know, if that's one game or two games where the ball bounces in that sample size, it's all back to normal. And again, we probably should have more variance than most people. So I'm not entirely sure, again, where we're starting here. Okay, the, the other one that's interesting is, is this year we are 43-13 and 13 when we are ahead going into the fourth quarter. And the year prior, we were 45-2. and two. What's interesting about, I, I found the most interesting about that all season long was the 43 and 15. We led, I believe, by more than any team in the league going into the fourth quarter. We led 58 of our games led going into the fourth quarter. I be, I'm pretty certain that was the most in the league by a, by a margin. Um, which, again, is so, I, I get, I'm not, you know, if the leadership and camaraderie is really terrible, are you really leading in in that many games through three quarters? You know, our inability to close games, one, I do think it's a little overblown because of our variance. And two, um, you know, and two, I, I do think there's something there, but it could be talent, frankly, or roster builder, something of that nature, um, not camaraderie. Though, you know, hey, we have the Denver loss where when things got tough, we didn't react great. And we have the Clippers series loss where things got tough. So I guess I'm starting this one by saying it's really, really easy from the outside to say it's a leadership camaraderie issue um, that led to the season and without any real facts. And no one really quibbles with you if you say it. It's very hard to prove either way if it's true. And so I feel like this is kind of uncomfortable ground for me because I'm not sure it's true. Um, it felt it though, right? Like the eye test and when you're around the team, you saw it. So if we look at the history of the leadership, and I think there's two different things between camaraderie and leadership. Camaraderie is a togetherness, glue guys playing, like doing this. And the other part is leadership, who's leading the ship. And if you look back, at the year in which Gordon Hayward was with us, he was not a leader. And when he left, actually the group kind of came together, it felt, in this. Now, and frankly, if Donovan wasn't great, then they would have come together and sucked. Um, and then there, nobody would have talked about leadership. Um, so I think the, you know, Ricky Rubio was really this unique person who both was a leadership and camaraderie, as we talked a little bit on yesterday's show, who brought the team. And when he left and Mike came in, that left a leadership void. Mike is not a rah, rah, get in your face guy. You heard the coaching staff this year and during the COVID outbreak in January, when Mike's role became larger, how excited they were like that. Mike's voice would become much more prominent when Donovan and Rudy were out and how much they gave him accolades for that, which to me was like a plea to Mike of like, hey, when we come back at full strength, we need you to still do the same thing. And I I just don't think that's who Mike is. He's a wonderful man. He's probably an incredible father and a neat husband because he seems to be very empathetic um, and, you know, seems very real and bright. Um, I don't know be terrible frankly you know that's we don't know but it seems that way and but he he's he left a vocal 
leadership void when Ricky Rubio left. At the same time, Donovan and Rudy are rising up into importance and they get an all-star experience and they get that aspect of being an all-star and they have some self-importance to them. And now they, they feel an ownership and they feel as though they need to increase their voice and they're not probably ready for that. And so what that led to from an observer standpoint was a much larger role for Quinn than most head coaches in the league, that the, the leadership for this team for many years after Ricky left and when Mike came in um, and then going into the bubble was Quinn. And then, you know, you've heard Quinn talk about JC's role of kind of having this connective kind of feeling to him and this uniqueness and giving the team some swagger. If we go to the 19 and, and just kind of bringing the group together in the bubble. Remember this group's not in a great place when we hit COVID and it's unsalvageable and all of that. And then they go to the bubble and they have this incredible experience and they bond and they come out of the bubble as a totally different team. And that carries them into the next season with all of this camaraderie and, and, and leadership being positive. Also 52 and 20, right? Like when everything's rolling and they're winning every game, everyone says your leadership is fine. It's a little bit of a chicken and egg thing here. So, but that I think, there is something there that when Ricky left it and Mike came, Mike didn't come in and say like, this is my team. Mike came in respecting Donovan and Rudy's rise. And then they make their first all-star game and it left a void on that group. And then all the COVID stuff and that left another void. And I think Don, I think Quinn becomes larger than maybe most coaches want to be. And maybe, maybe a little almost too large as then, when someone takes leadership and Donovan and Rudy want more leadership as time comes on, it's instead of Quinn, instead of, instead of a veteran player, it'd be better if it was Mike having been a very dominant leader for 12 or 24 months. And then he kind of steps aside the way they talk about Jokic taking over Denver. It took a little while. And when Millsap first came, he stepped back and all sorts of things in Denver with that. This, this kind of leads to a funky little, and I think that might be, a little bit of where we were this season that you don't, you have two young guys in Donovan and Rudy, and we'll discuss them here in a second as leaders. And you have a pretty dominant head coach. And then simultaneously you lose your camaraderie figures. And I'll explain that um, as we continue. It's a Wednesday edition of locked on jazz. That's brought to you by our good friend, Steve Carter and our friends over at intercap lending. Intercap lending is a wonderful company, Brock Worthen and uh, the crew over there. Do great work. Josh Romney bought the company and brought it back to Utah. And they've just grown and grown and grown. And why does a lending company grow? Because they get deals done. And we have our own personal loan officer, Steve Carter. His number is 385-885-28. The reviews around Steve are just time and time again marvelous. And it's really great to be able to uh, have someone we can send you to. It's our Locked on Jazz account with Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. You can get more information by visit intercaplending.com. You can just reach out to me if you'd like to and email me at dlock09 at gmail.com and I'll set up a personal meeting with you and Steve. He's been just amazing to our Locked on uh, users uh, and you know 
listeners who've used him. It's just been, it's been really one of my favorite parts about this is being able to send people to Steve and have that and then get to know Steve uh, personally. And he's just that true a guy. Uh, so go check it out. If you want to call, you don't want to get me involved, feel free to call Steve. Just make sure you tell him you're locked on jazz to get the corporate discount. 385-885-28. That's 385-885-28. Or email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Built. What's the latest going on at Built? It's the new granola bar, the new experience from Built. 15 grams of protein on the chocolate peanut butter, the chocolate coconut, or grab the white chocolate, is it white chocolate cherry? White chocolate berry. Oh, that's sold out. Oh man, they just fly through these things. They're so good. Promo code is LOCKED15. If you also, they have the puffs right now, the churro, the coconut marshmallow, and the banana cream pie. Plus the mint brownie, the raspberry, the peanut butter brownie, the coconut, salted caramel, cookies and cream, and coconut almond. And let me tell you, next time you see the brownie batter puff available, jump on it. It's just outstanding. So go check it out at built.com. Promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off. So the interesting one is... Donovan and Rudy trying to become leaders on this team and feeling that it's their time and that's the rightful spot for them to do it. Donovan doing it now in his fifth year and Rudy, I think, in his eighth. Um, and you know what? They both try hard. They're both good guys. And they've both been at times not very good at it, right? Like we've seen Rudy in his press conferences do things that we wish he wouldn't. And probably weren't the perfect. And Quinn said in, you know, hey, that's not the perfect time for that conversation and, and that way of doing things. You know, Donovan is learning how to be a star and what it is to have your own shoe and to have all your own stuff and, and to have the agencies, you know, CAA all around it and and what all that means. And so we've watched those guys try to become leaders of their own brand essence while simultaneously leading a team. Pretty hard to do. And, you know, again, very difficult for, without me being around every day, literally in every meeting and every communication to know whether I, I can't judge them on how it was done. I've I've watched at times and been like, ugh, right? I think we've had cringe moments uh, in which that's taken place. So then you have what I would call your camaraderie guides. And... This is where I do think this year, and on the leadership stuff, I think it's hard to tell. This is where I do think this year was was very different. And on the simplest terms, like this team used to love to come to the arena and come to practice. And I don't know that they totally had that last year um, or this year. And I think a large part of that, again, maybe too easy, but was – George Niang and Derek Favors departures. George Niang really might be the best teammate in all of the NBA. I really am serious. He He's the most enjoyable person I've ever been around. Every single player talks about it. When you listen to Philadelphia 76ers this year talk about how together they were and this and that, and everybody in the media immediately says, well, that's because there's no Ben Simmons. Uh-uh. That's because there's George Niang. And, and that's truthfully how wonderful a guy George Niang really is and losing George, I think chain and adding Rudy Gay, who just doesn't have any experience winning. I mean, if we'd won a playoff series this year, it'd have been Rudy Gay's first experience ever winning 
who's going through, who doesn't have the George Nian career trajectory going like this, but has the career trajectory going the opposite direction where he's playing less than he's ever played before. He's less impactful than he's ever been. He's less engaged than he's ever been. Whereas George is more impactful and more engaged. And I think, you know, and is obviously fading as a player. It's just a really different dynamic um, there. The other one is Faves. And Faves had an element where everyone kind of knew he could play more and be more if he wanted to. But he was openly, willingly sacrificing and only playing 14 minutes a night. He wasn't even great at it. He was happy because he really likes it in Utah. His family was here. And it just created a little bit of an, like, hard to complain when this guy who's adding, who could be playing 25 minutes a night, isn't complaining at all and is happy to be here. And that was a switch to Hassan, who really was still trying to play to prove himself. Hassan understood his role and accepted it. And it's super hard to do and deserves a lot of credit. But when he didn't get the time or he was hot and he wasn't and he didn't get to stay in which to Quinn's credit was consistent all year long so there's no gray area he was upset about it you could see it on the bench you could see it at different times during the season he also was wildly moody right like he's a box of chocolates that's doing this phase was like Zzz. so that transition from those from George Niang and Derek Favors to Hassan Whiteside and Rudy Gay I think had a massive camaraderie issue immediately in the live chat room, someone brings up Joe. I've left Joe out here. I'd be super curious to actually ask Joe what he thinks on this. Joe, I actually think we lost, we missed Joe as a player, right? So the the 44% three-point shooting of a year prior, the pick and roll game, his length defensively, I really think we missed Joe as a player. And and I think, but I don't think he was as connected this year. When he didn't get the extension to start the year and then... He wasn't extended and was worried about being traded, which he openly talked about. I don't know that I think that Joe, like, is this same kind of total glue guy that I'm talking about in this regard. Um, So Joe could disagree. I mean, I'm not saying he's not important to the camaraderie of the team. And frankly, I think Joe would admit that he can be a little like, you know, he can be grumpy. Um, hopefully Joe would agree with that. Um, but I think that when I'm, I think we really miss Joe, the player, whereas these two other guys, George and Derek, I thought brought a, a bonding roster to the team. And here's, what's crazy about it. So on the other end, like let's like, and I'm not trying to, I don't want to, I'm not, I just compliment them immensely. Let's just also rem- remember a few things about George. Like, our last time we had George, he's in a playoff series against the LA Clippers and he couldn't have been worse. He shoots two of 13 from the field. He shoots one of 10. He has five turnovers in 59 minutes. He's coming off a series where he shot 34% against Memphis. Like the game looks really, really fast and he looks out of sorts and he's a free agent and he signs of two year, $7 million contract with Philadelphia where he was making 1.7 with us. And at the time it felt as though felt as though that was a lot, right? It felt as though, you know, he wasn't ready for the playoffs. 
he had had a tough time both offensively and defensively. And the decision was made to go use that money instead and sign Rudy Gay on what's a three-year deal for all intents and purposes at 19 million. That's too bad. Like that's turning out one, because Rudy Gay didn't play in the playoffs, which we never would have suspected. And two, that's turning out to, you know, that's a lot more expensive. George was unbelievable in the Toronto series. Um, he shot 70%. He was amazing. He shot 12 of 18 from three. He has not started in the first game of the Miami series, which is very similar to the Clippers series where you like him, right? He was 0 of 7 the other night. Um, let's see. There was a limit to who like you believe George was as a player. He keeps rising up and his camaraderie is unbelievable. There's no question that that losing George had a huge impact on this season. Maybe the biggest impact of, of anything. Um, and, and the change to the change to Rudy Gay was just at a different place in his career. And a Frank that we paid more for, it's not great, right? That's a, like, if you're looking for pieces of this puzzle, that's a lot. Then there's Faves who, you know, honestly, he wasn't great for us and we paid him $9 million a year. And when you're in the luxury tax, you can't have a backup center that's making $9.3 million or $9.7 million a year with a player option. Unfortunately, it cost us a first round draft pick to get off that contract. So that's the reality that when you pay Rudy at 35 or 38 or whatever it is, that you're going to have a, a minimum backup center. And, but the fact is that, so you move from 9 million to 1 million. That was, you just had to do that. I, I, you know, the sad, the, the unfortunate part is you had paid the 9 million to faves along the way and ended up with, you know, having to give up a first round draft pick to get off that contract. Um, but there's no question that those two guys had an element and a camaraderie and a togetherness to this roster. And then back to the leadership conversation, the leadership of young Donovan and, and Rudy were not capable of bringing that same juice that George and Derek brought to the group when you added characters like Rudy Gay and Hassan Whiteside and then Daniel House later you you just had a very different mix and match of what the team is. So I think that that, you know, that's an interesting. All right, we'll continue on this. Take some of your thoughts and your questions from the live room. Uh, add that to the program. Uh, but those are kind of the two things. And then I have a I have a thought for you moving forward on the idea of camaraderie and leadership as we continue. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first Listen of the day, Locked On NBA Big Board is our NBA draft show. Raphael Barlow leading the way. Also, Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, Leif Tulin, all there for you with player rankings, more, and getting you ready for the NBA draft at NBA Big Board. So, the good thing to me on this, on this leadership camaraderie issue, there's two questions. One is you have to decide as you're building the team going forward. First thing you have to decide is how much do you think this is part of the equation? We'll throw that in as a poll question over on the YouTube chat over there. There's a poll question. Was this zero to 10? Was this 10 to 20? Was this 20 to 30? Was this 30 to 40? Was this 40 to 50? Like what percentage of the reason the season fell short was leadership in camaraderie. And so obviously the first question you have to figure out is how much of the noise around Donovan and Rudy is real. Second question is, do you believe Donovan and Rudy can lead you moving forward as your primary leaders? Are they capable of that or can you help them get there? Um, and I think 
that's you know that's the question do you need to is it possible to bring in a dominant personality that actually leads those two i don't think so actually so my quick answer to that is maybe no that that's not possible um to add a new person in who suddenly takes the leadership gamut from these two guys unless it's a really dominant player and it's a total rebuild of the roster probably moving one of these two to get that type of player so my first answer to that is no so then the second question you better answer is are if donovan and rudy are your primary guys are they going to be able to mature into a capable leader for your franchise moving forward and then the next part is rebuilding the george niang Derek favors aspects of a roster I think can be done pretty easily, frankly, um, with some effort, but can be done. And I think there's an element of both Donovan and Rudy. I have just great belief in who both of them are that Rudy Gay is not going to be taking guidance from Donovan in any way, shape or form. And so how's Donovan going to lead Rudy Gay, right? Like that's probably not how's Rudy Gobert leading Hassan Whiteside, who frankly, whether this is true or not, thinks he's probably as good as Rudy Gobert, right? He thinks he should be playing. He understands the situation. He thinks Sacramento screwed him. He's trying to revitalize his career. He's trying to get another contract. And he believes that he should be an NBA starter. Like he's not, look, you know, had Tony Bradley been our backup center this year and Rudy Gobert is able to lead him still. And they're been their fifth year together. And Bradley's kind of on that career trajectory ascent the right way. Maybe. You know, Trent Forrest, you watch Donovan and Trent Forrest, that seems like a pretty positive relationship. Can you find more guys that actually let Donovan and Rudy lead more than maybe otherwise? Um, you know, I don't think George and Derek, in the case I'm talking about, needed to be led in any way. They they brought the group together. George just had this incredible personality to him. Joe certainly wasn't being led by them. Um and so you bring in guys who actually do need to be led by them and you give them a chance for leadership. Like there's a whole discussion here of whether or not this roster actually was one that Donovan and Rudy could lead. Um, you know, do you need to make Quinn have less of a prominent role leading? It's hard for a head coach to, and I think we saw that after winning 52 and 20, talked about this throughout the year, like there's just not a lot of room by which he could, you know, whip up the whip and get the horse going during the regular season after going 52 and 20 and kind of had to coerce them to get to the finish line. And then they never, they never jumped in in that regard. So, you know, I think that when you, you kind of put all these pieces in this puzzle together, it's, it's crazy hard to do. Um, there's also a whole discussion of like, what's as someone's asking, like, is Don a player that's the first option on a championship team? You know, Monday's show is a little bit like, what's the realistic reality of what this group as one can come together and be like what is are we were, were we around short did like we really do we really think that we're a western conference finals team do we think we're an nba finals team do we think we're an nba championship team there has to be some realistic kind of as, aspect of that um also um so um here's a comment from the chat room that's good um, you don't have to have the best player to lead the locker room. Dallas leader on the court is Luca, but it sometimes has to be discussed in the locker room. If something has Powell and Dorian Finney-Smith are our locker room leaders. I think so. And as time goes on, by the way, Luca better become that guy. Like it's going to be an issue for Dallas if Luca doesn't become that guy over time. He's only in his third season right now. But I, I think the point is true that your best players don't have to be that guy. We didn't have that 
And so, you know, maybe that's George and Derek who everyone's going to listen to because they're all, they, who they were. We didn't have any Dwight Powell. You're not, Hassan Whiteside's not capturing that locker room with his personality. Rudy Gay is certainly not capturing that locker room uh, with his personality along the way, particularly when he came off injured and didn't play off the heel surgery for the first 35 games. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, so I think that's an interesting. Um, here's the mixed juice, mixed juice camaraderie, all, uh, all of that with fun speculation. Mine is that faves made Rudy more tolerable, which in turn made Don happier. Sure. Like I, who knows, right? We don't know these things. Um, and I, but I think that you, um, is there an example of foreign player being a vocal leader of the team? I think Ricky Rubio. I think Ricky Rubio is just a natural born leader. It's why everyone loves him so much. It's, you know, it's why every front office loves him so much. And then, but the fact is, I think his game is a little too limited to be able to carry, um, you to the heights you want to go um, in the process. Um, so um, with that jazz one, one, three, I really struggle reconciling knowing Quinn is a great coach and leader versus no. Yeah. I mean, I think that coaches can have good years versus not as good years. I think there's a chance this group to a little bit of our conversation here. I think this group as it's, as it formed with Don and Rudy as the leaders, Without the camaraderie pieces of George and Derek and Joe, however you want to fit him into this group, I, I think Joe is a player, is what we really missed. And Boyan's not a leader, and Mike's not a leader. That you ended up with a team that I think was very hard to probably hard to considering their past history, very hard to coach and bring forward. Whereas the previous year, he like rebuilt them in the bubble. They came out of the bubble juice. They had that going, and then it all went well in a crazy year of of COVID, and, and he carried it through. Um, the other thing I do think that we just haven't talked about here is the stress of January may have just broken this team. And that there's some interesting data points we'll talk about tomorrow. We'll touch, touch on that tomorrow. The COVID stress of January and then playing with and without Donovan and Rudy and that whole thing, and then actually – on the court, things just never clicked back in. Like, I'll, I'll share this note with you tomorrow more in detail, but they, Donovan and Rudy were like the number one pick and roll combination in the NBA through February, and then all of a sudden weren't. Like, then in the most bizarre, weird fashion, from March on, Donovan and Rudy ranked 61st out of 100, and then going into the final game of the playoffs, they were 69th out of 78. Like all of a sudden that, which was number one in the NBA stopped working, which is weird. Um, and I don't know why. All right. It is locked on jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah jazz. Thanks very much for making us your first listen of the day for your second. Listen, go check out NBA big board and get ready for the draft with all those guys or your daily podcast locked on NBA. Have a great one. See you.